Welcome to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. I'm Catherine Mora, founder and CEO of Change Empire Books. We help coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs write and publish quality books and get them out into the world. We believe that thought leaders are made through a combination of quality of service, planning, and authenticity. Do you want to impact lives and leave a legacy? Stick around until the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest on the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. Let's get started. Your host, Starlet Henderson here with Thought Leaders to Watch and this episode's Thought Leader, Christopher Cunney. Hi, Christopher. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm great, and I'm glad that you're here, and we're going to be talking about the electronic health records revolution with you and all of the work that your company does. So if you could just start from the beginning and tell us, mm -hmm. um, you know, what where your corporation is and what it does, and we'll um, work down from there. A absolutely. Well, Starlet, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I'm very excited to talk about um, our company and our product that we're bringing to market, Juno EHR. So I work for uh, DSS Incorporated. We are a 30-year healthcare technology and integration company based in Juno Beach, Florida. Uh, we have uh, worked with a wide variety of uh, healthcare organizations, both in the federal space, state agencies, as well as commercial market. One of our largest clients being the VA, uh, we support their current Vista platform, as well as we have multitude of applications that we've actually developed that integrate with that platform as well. We literally have anywhere from between 15 or more products in every VA hospital across the country, mm -hmm. as well as we develop behavioral health technologies uh, for um, state agencies. And we have uh, a number of different products that we have uh, brought to market for the commercial healthcare space as well. Um, I specifically serve as chief of strategy and business development for our commercial line business and more specifically with the focus on uh, Juno EHR, which is a product that we're bringing to market here in 2021. I'm very excited to be a part of this organization and launch what we believe is a technology that will really revolutionize um, the healthcare uh, or health infra, uh, electronic health record um, right. platforms. Um, just to give you a little context behind who I, uh, my background as well, I've yeah, 30 plus years, yeah, 30 plus years in the uh, uh, technology field, about 20 of that in healthcare and life sciences in particular, uh, having served as a CIO for a large integrated delivery network in Atlanta, Georgia, um, as well as as a consultant for uh, various consulting practices. And then I actually ran my own consulting firm for a number of years as well, too, working with hospitals, um, physician practices, clinics, tech companies, academic institutions, and how to take advantage of technology in the healthcare arena. And I was approached a little over a year or so ago to join DSS and assist them in bringing um, Juno EHR to the market as well. So very excited to be here today and very excited to be a part of the DSS family. Yeah. So Juno is your baby and it's kind of what your yeah. focus is now. Um, but what did you do before all of this? Um, you know, you talked to, about a long history with IT and, right. and health support, exactly. um, but you know, Christopher, like who's Christopher sure. and how did you get into all of this? Absolutely. Well, you know, at the core, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a techno geek. Um, my, my, you know, I 
my academic studies were in computer science and and um, my master's degree is in management of technology. I've worked for a wide variety of companies like Hewlett Packard, you know, AT&T, uh, Verso Technologies, um, Piedmont Healthcare. Right. Um, and again, I ran my own consulting practice for almost a decade as well. So at the core, you know, technology has been my passion and my heart. And over the past two decades, healthcare technology in particular has been a passion for me as well. And so um, I've had the opportunity to, again, work with a wide variety of healthcare organizations and helping them select technologies, implement them, uh, technology companies and bringing their products to market, um, academic institutions and helping to educate future leaders in this space. Um, and so, um, you know, my background is a little bit wide um, and I like to think a little bit deep as well, too, in this space. So I'm just so excited, you know, to continue to see where the industry is going and how healthcare is now starting to take full advantage of technology uh, to improve the delivery of care. I mean, yeah. you just look at what's happening this past year with the pandemic and the fact that we've been able to bring a vaccine to fruition in less than a year. Um, has all to do with technology right? Uh, and, and very smart and committed people as well, too. But technology being the enabler for, for that. And so how do we continue to take full advantage of that um, during the pandemic and post-pandemic is mm-hmm. really what we're looking at as a company and what I uh, really enjoy um, doing and learning and um, driving um, through the industry as well. Yeah, a lot of our guests are in this space now, right, with the pandemic and technology and the synergies that are going on um, in the healthcare. So that's ripe for revolution, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, I think I'd be excited to get involved in it, too, just as being a user, right, and learning about and um, knowing that many, many more things are going to um be more accessible, right? I'm not going to have to drive an hour and a half to get, you know, some scans of, of different things and we can, we can um, transmit all those records electronically, which has always been, um, I'm sure a capability, but then there's always worries about um, confidentiality and, you know, getting things from point A to point B without, you know, anything um, getting missing or lost or, or broken into, I guess, broken into. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting to see what's happening in that in the market as well. I mean, just just less than 12 months ago, you know, most of the healthcare organizations were using things like telemedicine and virtual care and in very limited fashions, um, uh, probably less than you know, 10 percent of their right. uh, uh, their visits were done you know, remotely. Mm-hmm. Now you look at with the pandemic forcing these the industry to shift and pivot to more virtual care services as well, mm-hmm. and how quickly the industry has adopted that technology. Uh, and now, as you stated, you know I can now you know, uh, be seen by my primary care physician, you know, in the comfort of my home or my office, not having to you know reschedule appointments and drive to their office and sit mm-hmm. there two hours and then for a fifteen minute appointment. Those, those things are now, consumers are now demanding that flexibility. Sure, they're um, seeing what's and, possible. That's right. And that I can still get basic quality care uh, in, with these remote um, platforms. And so that's an exciting part of it as well, too. Um, and then on the clinical side and, and for clinicians as well, part of the frustration uh, and lack of adoption of these technologies has been uh, th- their initial design. Uh, for example, with the electronic health record systems, the current ones that are in the market today, many of them uh, are not really intuitive 
And so it takes almost a college degree to learn how to use them and navigate them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they take the attention away, the clinician's attention away from the patient and forces them to spend more time looking at the computer, trying to enter information into it and capture uh, that patient, um, that patient's data. Uh, what we're doing here at DSS and specifically with Juno is we went out uh, when we decided to go down this path and and um, bring up electronic health record to the marketplace. We went out and hired nurses and doctors and phar- uh, pharmacy um, professionals and lab techs um, to come in and reimagine what the next generation EHR would look like. Right. Um, and so the design of the product is really des- designed from the clinician's perspective. How do we make it easier for them to uh, capture data into the system, find the information they need so that it can make you know um, smart clinical decisions, and then ultimately uh, share that information with other clinical professionals who are part of the care team for that individual as well. Uh, and so we're really excited about some of the unique workflows that we built into the product, some of the uh, technologies that allow them to seamlessly capture information, and then more importantly, um, the analytics and um, intelligence intelligence built into the system to help them make smarter decisions about that patient's care. So in terms of thought leadership, you know, when you're working with these individuals who are trying to reimagine, and I know you've done some consultant work, I mean, not some, right? 10 years Mm -hmm. of consultant work. How are you drawing out those human aspects, right? And this is user technology. We have to be able to use Mm -hmm. it. The nurses, you know, have to be able to use it. And it's, you know, a 180 (laughs) from a lot of pen and paper stuff. Right. How are you leading them through the process? And, um, you know, what are some of the thoughts that are driving? Um, what's your why as far as all of this? Sure, sure. Well, anytime you're in, you know, the healthcare industry, you know, in some form or fashion, you actually have, you know, this is one of the things I used to tell a lot of tech companies that I work with in the past. When you decide to get into the healthcare market, you first and foremost are deciding to be a part of the, del- the delivery of care. Uh, mm-hmm. So your technology is now being used to save people's lives. And if you're not taking and looking at it from that perspective and taking ownership of that, then this is not the industry to be a part of. And so mm-hmm. everything that you do uh, is going to impact that with that technology could impact that person's well-being. And so, for, so you have to come into it first and foremost with that mindset that we're here to help enable clinicians to do a better job and to save lives. And our technologies, when we design them, we should be asking ourselves that question. Is this going to make it harder for the clinician to deliver care, or is it going to make it easier and more seamless for them to do that? And so laying that as a foundational approach um, helps us to start reimagining how the tools should be uh, functioning and should be designed. The next thing is, you know, how do we take advantage of these emerging technologies that are coming to to the market or in the market? Yeah, ride the wave. That makes it, exactly, that's right. Ride the the wave and leverage them in the design of our product. For example, things like voice-to-text technologies or, you know, um, um, technologies like um, uh, Amazon Alexa and others where it can listen to you, capture Mm -hmm. information. And then feed information back out to you without having to touch a keyboard. Right. Uh, and so, you're right. And so that way, the, you know, the clinician now doesn't have to focus their time keying in information. They can focus their attention on the patient, comforting them, uh, help educating them, and doing what you were trained to do, which is to treat the patient. Mm-hmm. While the technology is gathering information uh, and um, putting it in a form that helps you make better, again, clinical decisions. And then things like virtual care. Um, again, we're on this video conference today. I mean, yeah. didn't was it didn't take rocket science for us to 
to, to get on this call and, and have this conversation. How do we leverage these same types of technologies for patients, you know, uh, senior citizens and elderly patients who uh, may find it a challenge to get to a clinician um, because they're in rural areas or areas where there are limited um, specialty groups, but still need to have some level of care. Um, and we create technologies that are intuitive enough for them to be able to have a video call like this, and it doesn't require them to go through extensive training um, and a college degree in order to do a, a telehealth consult. Those are the things we think about going forward. AI technologies, you know, how do we make that, that technology and the data or the data that we're collecting more valuable, smarter, uh, allows the clinician to um, um, aggregate a wide variety of pieces of information that, uh, that pertain to potentially that patient and use that in a way that helps them make better diagnosis. And, right. And better More information, faster connectivity. That's right. So, um, That's you know, what is, I heard you say a little bit about um, the biggest thing you're doing is connecting the creators with the purpose. You know, we're trying to make right. things easier. We're trying to think of it from the person, the user's perspective. Um, right. You know, so, um, but as a general concept, what does being a thought leader mean to you and how are you carrying that forward? Well, you know, I, you know, I, it's, it's a good question. Um, one of the reasons why I've gotten into this industry and I'm so passionate about it is because, of, again, of the potential that technology has to improve the quality of um, humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and industries like healthcare that have been in many cases a little bit resistant or slow to adopt these technologies, really help trying to help and educate them to understand the real potential for the technologies and that we have to be uh, a part of that process as well too. I mean, the guy that's working on the, the next great solution in his garage um, could benefit from that nurse giving him feedback. You know, or that doctor offering a perspective about the design of that product so that mm-hmm. it does meet the needs. It's not he's not here, he or she's not working in a silo. Right. And so there's some real opportunities for us as uh, healthcare leaders and healthcare professionals to not only educate the, the, the clinical side of the equation and that you the adoption of these technologies will help you improve the quality of care, but on the tech side as well, helping them understand you need to engage them uh, in the development cycle as well too, so that you're not building something based on what you perceive as what their need is. They're actually telling you where these gaps are and what the needs are, and you're creating solutions based on that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to you know kind of be the, the conduit for that, the bridge right. between the tech side and the, cl- the clinical side um, to bring those groups together and start having you know, a collective dialogue about these things so that we are generating and developing the right solutions that will have a, a, a true impact on a positive impact on the delivery of care. Yeah. I um, did a pass through on your, your website at junoehr.com. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, you're kind of alluding to a corporate value that I saw on there. You call it a conduit, but really you're talking about making a family, right? That's one of your corporate values, a family, not so much thinking about, okay, my employees' families, but making all of the employees feel like a family. So you've got your nurses and your techno geeks working Mm -hmm. together um, in, in that family environment. Everybody gets a say, um, that's, that's what I was noticing and, um, thought, oh, that's, that's great. That's a, you know, a great- exactly. A- absolutely. I wanted to really, um, 
beautiful things about working for for DSS is it really is like a family. You you ask the average person working for DSS, how long have you been with the organization? You're here five, 10, 15, you know, 20 plus years. Longevity. Uh, a lot of longevity and very limited turnover, which says a lot about the corporate culture, mm-hmm. uh, the leadership commitment to its employees and the, 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 the satisfaction that the employees have in doing the jobs that they have with the company. Uh, and I think that's because in many cases of the diversity of the company, and that is you've got a mixture of technologists, um, healthcare workers, business leaders um, who come from a wide variety of different backgrounds, federal space, commercial, state agencies, pharma, um, tech companies, et cetera, et cetera. All collaborating. Yeah, exactly. All, all, all collaborating together. Mm-hmm. To, to build these next generation platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really rewarding for a lot of us to you know, be in a room with each other and, and have these conversations and get this different perspective, as well as our leadership's commitment to their employees. And so uh, we re- very much feel like we're a family. Yeah. Um, and even though I've only been here a little over a year now, I, I really feel like you know, many of the people I work with, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're friends now and, mm-hmm. and, and definitely are becoming uh, my family as well. That's great. Um, So really breaking down those silos. Absolutely. You talked a little bit, you know, longevity speaks volumes, right? When you're talking about employees staying with a company, but what is some of the feedback that you've gotten from, um, you know, your end users? Uh, Can you tell us a story about um, some things that you're hearing back from the, um, your audience or your clients? Sure, sure. So, you know, when we embarked on this journey, one of the things we we tried to do is go out and get, you know, market intelligence and feedback from the consumer of being uh, the clinicians. Um, and one of the first things the clinicians uh, have, have communicated is just the frustration that they've experienced with, again, some of the legacy platforms out there. That there's a term called physician or clinician burnout. Yeah. Um, the fact that the long hours that they work, uh, the amount of um, stress treating these types of patients and it's even more acute now during this p- pandemic um, and um, the fact that they're losing people, you know, m- millions or hundreds of people on an ongoing basis. It has an impact on uh, the, uh, them mentally and physically. Right. And the last thing you want is now the technology to also be that the anchor, that, that additional layer as well, too. And so the feedback that we're getting is that, you know, one, in order for us to switch from a current solution to a new product, it's got to fundamentally improve our quality of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be intuitively designed so that just like your iPhone or, you know, your Android or, you know, if you go on Facebook or Google, nobody really taught you how to use Facebook, right? You didn't go to a Facebook class. Right. Yeah, it is intuitive, class. as you said. It's yeah, intuitive. Not- That's right. It's intuitive. Um, and these technologies have to, again, be intuitive um, so that it is easy for the clinician to know where how to navigate it uh, and get the information they need or input the information they need to, uh, to improve, uh, again, the delivery of care. So first and foremost, it has to, to be that. And it has to be uh, integratable as well, because now we're in the age of IoT or Internet of Things. And so technologies out there that can, be, that can monitor patients remotely. I mean, just the folks who are carrying, you know, wearing Fitbits and other uh, remote monitoring devices can capture a tremendous amount of information proactively uh, and feed that into these systems so that clinicians can react to a patient before 
an acute care event happens or a sentinel event happens? Mm -hmm. How do we predict whether or not someone's about to have a heart attack or a stroke or about to fall? Um, these tools that and these sensors that are on these technologies now get, can give us that type of information so that clinicians can hopefully prevent patients from having to come into an urgent care center or, or an ED or um, have some sort of evasive um, um, care presented to them. Um, leveraging that type of technology um, is something that the clinicians are telling us as well. Yeah. And then hospitals, and then finally, hospitals work under very tight margins as well, too. Um, many of the technologies that are in the market today are very expensive to acquire and to maintain and manage. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to commoditize the, the cost of the technology as much as possible. And I like to use the term, we have to turn these technologies into almost a utility. You know, when you think of the water and lights in a hospital, arguably you can't run a hospital without electricity and you can't right. run a hospital without plumbing and water. Well, I would or also, information. Um, or information, <laughs> I would going, also yeah. present to you. That's right. You can't now run them without computers mm -hmm. and without technology. However, we haven't been able to commoditize like the electricity and like the water in those buildings, the cost of IT. And so we have to find ways through things like um, software as a service and cloud-based technologies and a more uh, effective ways of developing these platforms uh, to reduce the cost uh, on and burden on the hospital. The hospital should focus on, the cl uh, clinics should focus on what they do best. Again, that's treating patients. They shouldn't be trying to figure out how to um, uh, stand up uh, servers and uh, data centers and um, you know, this technology that's necessary with these monolithic applications that are in the market today, they should be able to leverage that as a service, just like they, sure. they leverage their utilities companies as well, too. And so that's what we're attempting to do is bring to, to the market technologies that will commoditize the cost of it, the ease of implementation, the ease of use, and let you scale as you grow as an organization, or God forbid, you're having to, you know, pull back and reduce some of your footprint you know, scale that down as well um, so that you don't have all this sunk capital costs into technologies that many of these organizations have had to deal with in the yeah. past. It sounds to me like you've really identified this as the straw that could break the camel's back and you're working to make sure that that doesn't happen. And the other Absolutely. bonus for me is, you know, if you think about things coming cheaper and faster to doctors mm -hmm. and hospitals, then eventually that would be passed down to the user and the patient or the insurance companies paying less in the that end. So sounds like a win-win. It, it really is. I was just going to say, it's a very holistic approach to look at that. And, and if we're able to drive that cost out, then, you know, everyone within that whole ecosystem benefits from that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, that po possibilities are endless. I'm not even sure we can imagine what, what really could be happening, but it's good to know that you're the techno geek at the forefront. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you're welcome. I'd love to close with a book or recommendation for our audience, something that has impacted you and your mission. That'd be great. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's interesting. There's so many, there's so many books that I've, I've been reading lately, but that, I think, I think, that's, I think there's one that really stands out and it's called the uh, political determinants of health. Um, and it's written by a gentleman by the name of Daniel Davies. Okay. And, you know, we, you know, there's this term called social determinants of health where right. we think about what are the, you know, the things that impact your health, whether it's food deserts or lack to, of uh, access to clinical care or education or things like who that, that might impact your health. What, yeah. hey, who you hang out with, exactly. <laughs> 
social determinants, but there's also a concept around the political determinants. What are the policies? What are the regulations and laws that are also impacting our ability to provide quality care or to have quality care? A great example of that is telemedicine, for example. Mm -hmm. Prior to COVID-19 hitting, um, part of the reason why there was a lack of an adoption of telehealth is because of the regulations that limited physicians from practicing across states. Uh, and so yes. they weren't able to treat patients. You know, if I'm based here in Atlanta, in Atlanta and you're in Florida and I have a patient that is moved down there for the winter, you know, there, there are sure, snowbirds and they're down there for the winter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And want to get care from their primary care physician, they were limited in that factor. Well, COVID, you know, uh, really changed that and they relaxed a lot of the regulations that gives clinicians now the ability to practice across straight state lines. Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of one example of many examples uh, that our policies, our regulations and laws, in some cases, benefit our ability to receive quality care mm -hmm. or in other cases, you know, may prohibit it or limit it in some form or fashion. So um, he writes a very compelling um, um perspective on how those policies are, are impacting the quality of care. Got it. Well, mm -hmm. as we started, you know, this is an area that's ripe for revolution. And uh, yes, so it was it good to hear you um, identify some of those spots that are still areas of improvement. Thanks for your time, Christopher. Thanks for your thoughts today. Thank, too. thank you, Starley. It's a pleasure uh, talking to you. And um, look again, look for us, uh, Juno EHR. If you want to know more about us, please visit us at uh, Juno ehr.com. Uh, we'd love to uh, uh, share our story with you. And then we'd love to have you as a, a, a partner going forward if you're interested in really revolutionizing what's happening in healthcare. Sounds good. Christopher Cunney at junoehr.com. Thanks again. Catherine Mora here. Thank you so much for listening to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. If you are a successful coach, speaker, or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit changeempire.com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Thought Leaders to Watch. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, changeempire.com or follow me on LinkedIn as Catherine Moore. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Change Empire Book Coaching. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.